It's the Ben's Punani woman's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Every sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sipping here. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something, you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Blame it on the alcohol, blame it on the Alcohol, blame it on the alcohol, blame it on. <sighs> I hope Jamie Foxx is okay. You know, they he put that video out the other day. Am I just launching into things? Sorry, it's me. It's me, Kalechi, the baby girl in the place to be. Yeah, I like that. Did I change it from last week? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Anyway, you're listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. Um, I swear, Jamaicans who listen to this must be like, just people from the Caribbean generally, every, every time they must just like, you know when your body just automatically does something that goes... Wing! Wing! Like you just tense up because like, girl, what? And then you remind yourself like, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's the name... Of her podcast She's not talking to me Directly Because if you're talking to me Directly (laughs) Me and Kalechi Would have to fight But yeah And this is probably Why I'm all like Well where do I Where do I want to go What do I want to do next I feel like This Has had its thing I I feel like I still want to podcast I just want to I don't know Do something Switch it up I've been talking about this Before I went to Peru So I'll let the I'll let the thing come to me But when I start having these Emotions Taking me over Caught up in sorrow Ending this podcast Sorry (laughs) Yeah Caught up in emotions when these things start happening, I know that they're signs. I'm learning now that they're signs from the universe that I'm about to move on up. I need to stop with all of these songs, but maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Anyway, we're back for another week of this thing. So Jonathan and I were talking, I really hope this camera is in focus because let me tell you what I do not want in this life to get a bring, bring, bring. On one of my phones And it is in fact Jonathan Telling me that Oh um, Hey sis The camera Is out of focus This week FYI I just Me and technology God This is why I can't be on OnlyFans Because even if I wanted to show Small pom pom hair Even if I wanted to show Small labia I would like just, Just a fanny lip Not even the entire That motherfucker Would be out of focus It'll be out of focus In fact, people would be subscribing to my OnlyFans To tell me, like, bitch, get your act together Get it together Unless they've got a particular kink for out of focus Pum Do you know what I mean? Where they don't really want to see the whole thing They like obscure panani Do you see it? Anyway That's not even what I came here to say 
You know, this is why I know that you have to have a juge and a vibe to be able to record a podcast solo because I literally sit down and I just go and I'm like, whatever happens, Godspeed to us all. I have like rough notes and links that I need to remember to reference. But sometimes, child, I'll be ignoring those notes. But this week, I want to stay on job. I want to stay on track. Um, Should I add it in this week? Yeah, I think I will. I'll add in... Um, the wonderful um, interview that I did with Warda Farah um, or pronounced Welda. Um, We had a really, really great conversation about the way that speech therapy is colonial in essence, you know, and you know, let's like, let's really deep it. I've been bringing you baby girls, baby boys, baby non-binaries. I've been bringing you the things I've been bringing you the interviews or as they like to say in France, interviews. Or interrogaciones. Maybe that's Spanish. Who knows? But I'm hoping from what I can see on the monitor, it looks like the camera is focused, but who knows? So the YouTube version of this will come out on Tuesdays now. I think that that's what we've decided. Tuesday, 5.55 p.m. And then this comes out Monday, 4.44 a.m. Um... London time. I feel queasy. Oh, I feel queasy. I haven't eaten. I need to stop this behavior. Annie's probably listening to this and she's like, I told her, I told her to eat. But is that, that's a shit accent. I've got to work on that. Anyway, um, what have I been up to this week? Well, firstly, no, what I wanted to say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the support that you've shown Zaina Iman. Thank you so much. And thank you to Zaina for coming on the show as well. And just being a baby girl. I want to grab some water. Um, For just being a baby girl. For just being absolutely wonderful. It was a joy. It was a pleasure to be able to speak with her. About something that's not a joy and a pleasure to speak about. Because it was rather harrowing. Sorry, I paused. I went to get myself a water. I feel better now. Um... Yeah, it was really, really harrowing, but I'm honoured that she trusted the platform enough to come and share her story. I just felt it was important because I was watching the news um, pieces about the whole thing that she had, the whole ordeal that she's been through with Greater Manchester Police. And I was like, there's so much more that people need to know about this situation that they won't know because of editorial policy and legal and da la 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 So we're not understanding the severity of the thing. I mean, we understand it, yes And I wouldn't have known of her Had it not been for the news interviews that I saw Or that I'd seen um, But I just felt like, no, let's hear the real, real Let's like, let's hear what, you know, what really went down So we understand that which direction we need to flog these motherfuckers from So big up yourself, Zaina I hope you're well Um yeah, but thank you all for showing her so much love and so much support. They say that the um the police watchdog, the IOPC, they've reopened the investigation and um all of that and they're looking into it. I'm just like, you lot fuck off, man. Like, I wish there was someone else because all of these things, they're just corrupt. But I just wish her all the best. I want some kind of justice. They're now saying that they happen to have lost those the three um the three specific separate hours that Zayna requires that it wasn't in the you know that wasn't in the um that weren't in the recordings that she was sent 
Those are the ones that Greater Manchester Police Department statement the other day saying nah, that when they were trying to transfer it onto a disc and burn it for her to send it to her, um, those only those specific hours got corrupted. And so that's and now it's been overwritten in the system. I said this stinks to high heavens. Like this stinks. My God. Corruption. Corruption. But you lot will be the same bitches that if you hear a single Nigeria of this or that, it's like, oh, that country's so corrupt. Smell your own yash. Smell your own yash immediately. Smell your own bomb bomb. Smell your own anus immediately before you start talking about anywhere else. Okay? Because yes, those places are corrupt. I agree. But don't leave yourself out of the equation. Otherwise, you're going to get an incorrect answer. Yeah? Yeah, do all of the mathematics. Do all of the mathematics. Okay? Um, but on a real, I haven't been able to sleep, man. I've just got to be real with you. I I come here with the energy because I'm a professional, also known as a professionale. Um, and obviously wit and humor is my major like defense mechanism, but I have not been able to sleep ever since that interview with her. Like, fuck. Like it, I and you know we've had a full moon and all of that, so I've just been so sleepy. I'm still getting through the tarot readings that people have booked, as in the question, the one question email tarot readings. I'm getting them all done within the time frame, and I actually do a bit more when I finish this. So actually, I'm recording on a Saturday instead of my usual Sunday today because um I want to try and do some bits to the office, which would mean I can't use it tomorrow. Um, but yeah. I've been tired Like I've, my whole body's been tired I've still been trying to Do small small gym Go for a run Do this do that But For transparency <clears throat> Pardon me uh, For transparency I just feel Not necessarily fucked I just feel tired Like I can't explain the kind of tiredness So I feel like the best way to describe it Is just sleepy um, Girl check your iron levels I need to do that boy But um yeah, I, I I feel like ever since that interview, you know what? And I'll say this here because, you know, we friends, we friends, you know, we friends. When I left the office after recording with Zayna, that was the first time, that was the first time I would say that it really, really hit me that, Ra, do you understand like what you're doing right now? And I felt like, a little bit of fear, a little bit, a little bit of fear. Obviously that I know, like I'm a divinely protected bad girl, but like, let's be real at the same time, like fucking hell. But I was just like, no, nah, it's still going to come out. So I still sent um, the link to download the footage to Brent and um, Jonathan. I was like, it is what it is. Like if you're about it, you're about it in it, you know? But yeah, and I messaged my mum and I was just, and I said it to her and she was just like, ha, thank God, Kilichi, thank God. Because me and my, me, me, me and your brothers, we, how can this one girl insist that this is what she wants to be? We pray for you. We pray for you. And I was just like, it made me mad emotional because you don't want to worry your family. Like sometimes I just feel like, oh, I'm just doing this and this is what I want to say and this is what I want to do. But like I was saying a little bit in last week's episode, I'm really having to consider that the things I'm talking about and amplifying and doing just generally, there are other people that are impacted by my actions who didn't necessarily sign up for what I've kind of gravitated towards doing. So 
Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. I just thought I'd share that. But at the same time, like, don't fucking try it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> because I'm the original mad person. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it, it it just it is a lot. It is a lot. And um, you know, I think that with plant medicine as well. The kind, the kind of plant medicine that I've been kind of um, exploring, they're meant to open your heart. And I think I was saying this um, to one of the ladies that, one of the practitioners that I work with, I was saying to her that the culmination of all of the work that I've been doing on myself, you know, whether it's the womb healing and the um, inner child ceremonies with Laurence to ayahuasca to bits and bobs here and there, um, I've really felt my heart open and it just means that I cry a lot more than I used to um just because I feel so much more right and I because of the trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning sexual abuse um because of the things you know the abuse that I experienced when I was a child I think that there's been so many parts of myself that I've just shut off like I've shut down and I had to reintegrate them into my wholeness, into my personhood as I currently am. Um, so yeah, so when I've been talking about social injustice and all of those things, I guess previously, I feel it. Of course I do, but I talk about it from a rather cerebral place. And yeah, I'm passionate about it, but I'm also, could you describe it in that way? I'm passionate about it from an almost intellectual perspective. It's only since, you know, I would say, uh, Let's say definitely, definitely, definitely from February Because I started the um, uh, womb healing work and stuff with Laurence before that But definitely from when I came back from Peru My God, it's like I could just feel everything Like I'll read a newspaper article Fam, I'm in bits I'm just in bits Because I'm just like Why, how is there so much suffering? Like I know, like I You know, like previously I cognitively knew it But you know when you feel it and you're just like Oh, oh, like it's a lot. And I'm having to learn that. Yeah. So now the stage is you've got to put boundaries in place with how much you're feeling and where do you take those feelings to in order to allow yourself to continue to live life before you just decide to off your clot and just be shouting up and down um, Parliament Square or wherever to tell them about their pussy clots. Like, You've, I've got to find a balance, you know um, And I guess the balance would be writing But I haven't got the zing and the zang right now To continue writing Just this week maybe, specifically <sighs> But yeah, it's um, Yeah, it really opens you up It really opens you up So I went to And maybe I should put this in Share Your Magnificence actually Before I talk about it Maybe, yeah, I think I'll talk about all the Theatre shows that I've seen Um yeah, I'll talk about all of them together rather than like breaking them up Because I was going to talk about Grenfell in the words of uh, Survivors that I saw at the National Theatre But I'll talk about that in a bit Not my cloud, not even linking I was like, what phone am I on? It's showing me the wrong information um, But yeah, I'll talk about that together Anyway, let's jump into the tarot then So I'm not wasting any time Because I was really talking last week, my God But then I'd been away, you know So there is where it is um, okay, this week's tarot letter I'm not even going in a chronological order So there are people who are before this But I'll go back to you I just, this one just felt like the one I just saw the 
a little bit of it and I thought I'd read this. It says here, hello, dear Kalechi. As always, it's a pleasure to exist in the same lifetime as you are and to experience your essence, brilliance, talent and unmatched humor in real time. You're truly a gift to us all and may your cup runneth over in this lifetime and the next. Amen. Although I don't want to come back. Um, I've been navigating some relationship challenges and every week as I listen to the podcast, my mind goes, I wonder what Kelechi and Spirit have to say about my current woes. So here I am sending this letter for a tarot pull and also for some raw Kelechi advice if you're able to. I'm 27, newly married and expecting my first child. And I feel as though all of my relationships are shifting in ways that have me feeling destabilized and worried. Things are being revealed that I cannot ignore and I'm struggling to find out, um, I'm struggling to figure out how to move forward. It seems like everyone in my life is currently on some bullshit and and I'm left feeling hurt and alone. To summarize, I had to go no contact with my older sister who refused to respect my wishes and told my family and told family members about my pregnancy. Um, when confronted, she got really volatile and minimized my feelings. My sister is very combative and any tense conversation with her always turns into an argument. We argued, ex- uh, we argued extensively and I chose to leave the house and get a hotel because the space was not conducive for someone who was 34 weeks pregnant. Oh, so you, I feel like you might've had the baby by now. So congratulations and jubilations. All right, let me get back to your letter because this is serious. Sorry. Um, that was also my last night visiting my family. So I felt it was time to bounce anyways. I also ended up tripping and falling. Oh God. I also ended up tripping and falling that night. The next day I wrote my sister a long message, basically cutting her off and telling her about how all my life I've had to deal with her selfish and toxic ways. And as the younger sister, I was expected to be perfect to overcompensate for her being the problem child. She consistently harms us and we are forced to forgive and move forward. And I was no longer doing that. I too am a dickhead in recovery. So I made sure to curse her out and drag her too. Oh Lord. She sent me many messages basically saying she doesn't care, hurling insults at me and making jokes about the possibility of me losing my baby when I slipped and fell the night before. Oh no. On to the next dysfunctional relationship. We were raised by a single West African mum. She experienced so much trauma and abuse and I've always empathised with her and tried to be a dependable daughter and sister. I'm the second of five. But as I'm getting older, I'm realising because the world was cruel to my mother, she isn't able to show us the kindness and gentleness we crave. I feel like as um, as African children, we always talk about how our mums yell and are aggressive and that's being normalized. But as I'm embarking on motherhood and I'm thinking intentionally about what type of space I want to create for my baby and for myself, I thought this phase in life would bring me and my mother closer. But her critical voice and judgment often delivered in the form of yelling has been really off-putting to me, especially during pregnancy. I know she cares about us, but her communication style and old school African values are really not cutting it. And I'm struggling to figure out what this relationship can look like. 
Now on to my friends. I knew pregnancy and motherhood could be lonely, but I didn't expect it to happen so quickly. The baby isn't even here and I've had people act weird towards me, stop reaching out and I've even had my closest friends exclude me from an outing and they rationalized it by saying, oh, we assumed you'd be too pregnant and tired to attend. Like what the fuck? I've been really intentional this pregnancy. I've, um, I know even though I'm going through a life-changing experience, that doesn't mean everyone else's problems and realities are secondary. I try to make sure that even if I'm not the most consistent, that I'm checking in on folks and being as responsive as possible when they need me. I'm heartbroken that I feel um, like many of the people I've shared this pregnancy with have not been as caring and as loving as I'd hoped. Lastly, niggas ain't shit. I caught my husband texting women while I'm here carrying our child. This is the second time this has happened and I feel trapped because I moved to his city and I'm way too pregnant to try and leave now. He claims it will never happen again and really wants us to move forward. But honestly, I feel extremely numb and paralyzed. I feel ashamed that I am this strong black feminist in such a basic cishet relationship where infidelity is a common challenge I'm navigating. I know this is a lot. And if you have thoughts on any issue in particular, please feel free to share them. But I think the big question I want to ask you and Spirit is how do I navigate all of this simultaneous heartbreak that and what is in store for me? when it comes to the people in my life. I've attached my birth chart, but as you might see, my Capricorn tendency is to retreat and cut everyone off. But I don't want to embark on motherhood without a village and a community. I crave connection, but with all of these wounds, I kind of just want to retreat from it all. I so appreciate you reading this. It felt good just to write it all out. Much love always, a baby girl. First and foremost, baby girl... Oh, you're going through it. You're going through it. But it's going to sound so wild, but I already hear the strength that you're gathering from all of this. I already hear it through reading your letter. Life is like bad, but you're badder than that. Like you are, you are. And when I tell you some of the things that I went through in my first pregnancy before the pregnancy with Lev, it was similar. People just started to drop off. Like even like I would have people that I was training to help me teach and run the studio just started moving wild to the point that they're jumping on Insta lives. I'm going to tell you the real things about collection. Thunder fire your pussy hole. You're mad. It was such a tumultuous time. Like none of, neither of my pregnancies one was, you know, unfortunately pregnancy loss. Neither of my pregnancies were calm. It was just like, as this new life was forming, it was just like, this has to go. This has to go. This isn't going to cut it. Like when I step up into the place, I don't want to see, a, a, I don't want to see a single one of these bitches in my vicinity. So as hard as it is, and I know that you want your village. And so that's where I'm going with it. I didn't really start finding my village, as it were, if, if I really have that, you know what I'm like, loner. Um, but I didn't really start finding my village. People really weren't able to step up to the plate until I start, until I had left. And then I was able to say, I need help. 
with this. I need help with this because it was really, really tough. And it's extremely tough then when you've got a young child and then you're trying to make life changing decisions about your various relationships, your career, everything. You're making all of these decisions while navigating being a new mother. It is so challenging, but look at where I am now, basically, is what I want to say to you. Like, somebody asked me recently, are you winning? I was like, what? They were like, are you winning at life? Do you feel like you're winning? And you know what? I've got to be honest with you. I honestly fucking think that I am. Because 100% of the things that were meant to break me absolutely did not. They might have done a little bing, a little ouch. But I'm, I'm still here You're still going to be here You're still going to be here And you're going to be more fortified um, Because life is really trying to draw your eye And draw your heart to the things that are not nourishing you Like you can't grow anything where you are As in the, 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 with, with, the with these people You're pouring into them And nothing is really coming back out And it feels like Everybody's going through their things And I get such a South Node vibe Or like a Either a South Node Or Saturn Or Pluto vibe From everything that's happening Where things are being cleared away Because they're making space For what can Can like Appreciate your love Where your love can grow Anyway let me look at your chart Before I talk too much Um Wow, what a chart What a chart You're like me Your battery was on power saving mode And that has to be 3% But that's not what we're here for um, So you, you're you an Aquarius rising So you're ruled by Your chart is No, sorry, not an Aquarius rising A Pisces rising, my bad You're a Pisces rising And I said it I said it Kelechi, sometimes take note of the fact that you're a G But I was also told, Kelechi, this isn't about you So this is not about me All right So um, Saturn was in Aquarius from 2020, right? Saturn was in Aquarius from 2020 um, And Oh, what am I trying to tell you? Saturn was in Aquarius from 2020 And your Venus is in Aquarius in your 12th house your Mars is in your 12th house Your Mercury is in your 12th house Retrograde When Saturn went through your 12th house The things And the 12th house is usually depicted As the thing furthest away from us It's the furthest thing away from the first house Even though they look like They're right next to each other You have to go all the way Through all of the houses Before you return back to the 12th house The 12th house um, deals with like um, Themes about like our self undoing It deals with our subconscious It even deals with hidden enemies Right So because that was that's your 12th house you're being you're being shown things that aren't immediately um conceivable to you they're not immediately um recognizable to you so venus being in there Saturn passing through your venus in the 12th house it was showing you the things about people that you love like your partner right and um his texting women that came to the light while saturn was in aquarius so it touched as it was about to leave because your um, your Venus is at a late degree of Aquarius So it would, Saturn would have touched it as it was going And I think that that's around the time That you would have come to that realisation If I'm looking at the date of your message That's when you would have seen And you said this is the second time Baby, let me tell you something If they, If we've made it to the second time We're going to make it to the third and the fourth and the fifth I don't want you to break this guy's head I do not want you to conk this guy And he like 
on it. Like, I like, I want to believe him because you you want to believe him. But if we're on a second time, we can easily make it to a third. And they just, people like that, I feel like they just get better at hiding the thing. And then you're just unsettled because you just never really know. And you don't want to be in a situation where you're looking at anybody's phone or second guessing what anybody has said to you. Like you deserve better than that. But that is not your priority right now. Like, man is the least of me problem. So me left idiot feet have them. Like that is what we've been told by who? By who? Our minister, Mariam Hall, she said, also known as Lady Saw. She said, man are the least. And that is a gospel. That is a word. I don't know why she won't return and give us the music that we want. But should she ever return, I want this to be, even if she says she doesn't want to come back to dance hall and all of them things there. I want her to give a sermon. And in fact, maybe that's my calling. Maybe I should become, maybe I'm meant to leave the podcast and I should start a different kind of church because my church, I'm going to be using dance hall lyrics. It says here in the gospel of do not fuck with me, that man are the least. Man are the least of my problem. So me left idiot for them like, Go to the idiots. Go to the idiots because you will not bring your nonsense to me. Me too cute for mix up and blend blend. Because we are. Because we're not just talking about the capitalist understanding of beauty. When when Minister Marion Hall tells us, when she tells us that me too cute for mix up and blend blend. So tell her girl she could go with her argument. The girl in this case is what we're being told here. The girl is society. The girl is our problems. Yeah. That is, that, that is, that is the metaphor when we're talking about girls. But when she talks about me too cute, me too cute for mix up and blend blend, what she's telling us there is that spiritually we are above. The frequency that we should be vibrating at is far too high to be involved in these very low vibrational misbehaviors. I hope that that resonates. That's not the end of your reading. I'm just saying. You're being asked right now that like really man is the least of your problem. Like let him, as long as like he's limiting it to texting, he could just stay there for now. Like that will get sorted out on its own. Like there, there are other things to be focused on. Like you can come back around to that. You need to conserve your energy is what I'm saying. Like that is not your battle right now. Like, move like I I hope that he stays true to what he said that he's not going to be you know texting bitches but that's to the side for now so your mercury being there retrograde um what of a planet that I say was in there as well and I look at your chart your Mars your drive your action I sensed it from reading your letter that, and I said it to you before even looking at your chart, that it's clear to me that something is happening that's trying to bring you out of yourself. Like it's trying, you're being, life is trying to introduce you to yourself, right? And of course you would prefer for it to happen, probably not when you're pregnant. And we sometimes think about the 12th houses, the womb, as as well as the fifth house, I guess, because the fifth house rules children. But I see the twelfth house as more of the womb because it's yeah. I feel like the fifth house 
is the child, but I see almost the 12th house as the, as the womb because it's the thing that's hidden away that is dark, that you don't know what's happening, but it's all happening. And then suddenly it just appears, right? So while all of these things are going on, life is trying to introduce you to you. Your child is trying to introduce you to you before they arrive. Because it's not just a child that is born through the birthing process. A parent is also born. What kind of parent? I don't know. But a parent is also born. So you're being encouraged, Mars, to stand up for yourself and understand that you have more power than you realize. Mercury, to speak up for yourself. And yet not everybody necessarily needs to cuss, 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 cuss. There are ways that we can convey what we require and desire from our loved ones and what we require in relationships, what our needs are without swearing up and down. Of course, I, so I've heard. Um, so these are the things that Saturn was trying to get you to do. And I feel like you did start to do them before Saturn left Aquarius. So then now Saturn has gone into Pisces, which is your first house, which is also where Saturn is. Um, so you're having, and I knew, it, I said it, no, no, not me being a Don, not me being a Don. But also you also said you were 27, you also said you were 27. But anyway, you're having your Saturn return. So you're over the next two and a half years or two-ish years, this is what we're dealing with in your first house. Like I said, you're being introduced to you. The And when we think about Saturn return, I don't like to think of um, Saturn as this um, malefic planet, like as a malevolent planet that is just there to do bad. No, Saturn just patterns you. It just gets your house in order. I was, I think I was talking to Kevin Morosky the other day and I was um, characterizing each planet to explain how they go about creating change in our life because I feel like every planet that interacts in our birth chart does so for our highest good but they all have different methods to how they do it for our highest good right so Saturn's one will come through and be like oh like so this place is messy how about we get up and we tidy it yeah because if you want to be able to stay here and thrive here we need to clear up. So chop, chop, get up, get up. Like it's not playing with you. You'll be like, get up. Let's start tidying. And no, you're not just going to dash everything in the cupboard or push everything under the bed. I want you to go through each item, itemize everything and put them where they need to be. So this is what Saturn's now doing in your Saturn return in your first house. It's introducing you, the fir- yourself, first house, self to yourself because the elements of you, the your drive, your your manner of communication, the way that you love and why you love the way that you love are so far away from you in the 12th house that when it passed through there, it was like, oh, baby, Ooh, there are some things going on here. Let's try and tidy this up. OK, so try to, t- to tidy up as much as it could in your subconscious. You realizing that you needed to move away from some people and to understand that sometimes we don't move away from people necessarily permanently, but um, we do. Oh, interesting. I'm just looking at what the pattern says for me today. Um, But we do, we don't necessarily move away from people permanently, but there are seasons in our life where we aren't going to be around certain people because the kind of growth that we need to undertake, they cannot be there. Like they just, the scaffolding of our life can't withstand that weight. So they need to be over there while we restructure and while we refurbish, but we don't put cladding because we're not pussy clots. Um, 
So that's the what I get from your just having a quick scan of your chart. And then where's your north node? Your north node, oh baby girl, your north node is in Libra. So your north node at some point will be conjunct and your Chiron is in Libra. So your wounding feels like some things happened when you were much younger. Um I wouldn't necessarily call it abuse per se, but um stuff. And so the North Node being in Libra in your eighth house, you're being asked to reclaim all of the places in your life where things have been um, imbalanced and um, unjust. Yeah, that that ha- we do, we figure out all of that North Node stuff over the entirety of our life. But because the South Node is now in Libra, in your eighth house, it does mean that you'll be shedding certain karmic bonds. And I'm not trying to speak anything over your relationship, but my mind goes back to what we were just saying about putting him to the side, just leaving him to the side with his um, penchant for texting, um, texting the Gyaldem. I think that there will be a point whether maybe by the time that Pluto, sorry, that um, Saturn leaves Pisces, um, that you will probably tell him to go on. You'll just tell him for go on, like, get out, get out. But you'll do that in your own time because you'll realize just how much stronger you are without energy draining you, without people draining you. And then when we clear out certain things, the people who are for us that can add to our life, we can see them way more clearly. There's way more space in our life for them. Once we clear out what sh- what can no longer be there, but you'll work through this in your own way. I believe, like you know, you'll you'll figure it out. And I also feel like there's going to be an um, there'll be some kind of increase to your financial situation. It sounds weird, right? Because you've just had a child, but I, I always say that children bring their own particular blessings. So there'll be something. I don't know whether it's going to be in. I don't know if it's either hair styling, not necessarily hair styling, something to do with the head or um, automobiles. You'll be doing something anyway that's rather fast paced that's going to bring you um, money um, over the next like 18 months. So you don't have to worry about that. I think that you'll be fine. But also Pluto going into Aquarius um, from next year properly anyway is going to pass through your 12th house and it's going to be there for a really long time. I think it's going to make you very, very, or it's going to bring about your creativity um, a lot your your creativity. I think you can sing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know that. I think you can sing. Um, so your son being Capricorn, um, and the uh, Saturn that rules Capricorn being in your first house. Yeah, a lot of this is about you standing up for yourself. The moment you start to stand up for yourself, so many more blessings will come to you. And I think that that's the process that you're going through. So you feel like you're losing things, but I promise you, you're only shedding. So you can gain a lot in the long run. You're not alone. The once as people are going, I promise you, as people are going, the right people will start coming in. And I know that it feels lonely. And I wish I could offer you something in the space of the current loneliness that you're feeling. But there is something for you to learn in this particular solitude. And there's a bond for you and your child to form within this particular solitude that you're going to look back on your life and you'll be like, I motherfucking did that. I mean that I did that. That was all me. Yeah. You and God, you and spirit and your baby that you did that. And then the right people will come towards you. Um, I'm sure of it. Let's pull some tarot cards just to confirm the things. Let's move my dry feet off the sofa. Um, Let's see if there's an extra message that I haven't 
covered that I need to oh get in there as well. Um, yeah, see, so you've got I'll switch cameras. You've got the Seven of Swords that comes out here, which is you leaving situations of deception, and I feel like that's also concern. Con- um, also confirming that you shouldn't trust everything that my guy is saying about no longer texting. But again, that's not anything for you to stress about right now. Everything that needs to happen will happen in its own time. So we've also got the King of Cups. So I wonder if he's a water sign. Um, so I think that that's being highlighted here. <laughs> not the tarot cards telling on him. They're like, no girl, let her know. The ancestors are like, let her know. Just put, no, I'm not going to sing that. Breaking news. No. Sorry. Any other messages here? Let's see what we've got. Oh, oh, two cards flew out. Knight of Swords. King of Pentacles. Wow, there's so much masculine energy in this. Um, I, it's almost saying to me that you're kind of tolerating his behavior. These are all men that you're sort of like tolerating this behavior. So we've got the um, Knight of Swords here. And then, um, so Knight of Swords, and then we've got the King of Pentacles. Don't stay with somebody um, just for, it's going to sound, I'm not trying to make it sound like um, uh, trivial, but don't just put up with their nonsense and their um, lies and infidelity or whatever the case may be, um, because they offer you financial stability. I mean, do what you need to do for now, but I implore you to start getting your VEX money up. If you don't know what VEX money is, it's money that you save and you put to the side, that you put in a separate bank account, that you put away for yourself. So you have things for yourself should you ever need to get VEX and leave at any time. Like you've got your money. And so I've there's just, yeah, just lots of masculine energy. What's at the bottom of the deck? Eight of cups. Yeah, you're going to walk away. Like that you, what you're, ah, look at that. I love this. So at the bottom of the deck, We've got the eight of cups. We see this figure walking away um, and um, the deck that I'm using, the This Might Hurt tarot deck. We see this figure walking away by moonlight. I go out walking after midnight out in the starlight, just hoping you may be. Um, Big up yourself, Patsy Cline. Um, Eight of cups comes out. I hope you weren't a racist. Um, Eight of cups comes out. And um, we see some of the car, uh, the cups smashed. Four are still standing. I'm not going to sing that song. Four are still standing and four have smashed. And this person is walking away from them regardless. And this is what I see you doing. Like you are just going <laughs> to remember what um, Lizelle said to me. Eight of cups is a brave surrender. It's a goodbye. It's the bravest of goodbyes. But it is this. At some point you are going to choose when you... Um, walk away from certain things. But with the reason that we're looking at the four cups still standing is that there's still so much opportunity for you out there for love, for fulfillment, for family, for a community, like all of these things, as you walk, you will find these people. And remember that these are eight of cups. So there are two cups still not there. So this person, I believe, is going in search of the extra cups. So there are going to be so many modes of you being fulfilled. And then we've got the ace of cups, that's there at the bottom of the deck as well, right next to the eight of cups. So that reminds you that your cup will run if over. And that's actually what you said to me um, in the letter at the very beginning about my cup running over. And that, and that's what spirit's saying that it's also going to happen for you. Like you're going to find that by you doing all of the things that you're doing now that I know that it feels tough, baby girl, but you're going to reap the benefits of it at some point. 
Because you mentioned you're a dickhead in recovery also, let's see what cards we get from the dickhead in recovery affirmation card deck. <laughs> it's so funny, like people are now, there's this sort of resurgence of buying the affirm- these um, affirmation cards. Let's see what cards you get. Oh, that's it. We've got our card. The card says, am I beautiful or am I blessed? Trick question. I am both. That's your reminder. Am I beautiful or am I blessed? Trick question. I am both. Because you are. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt your fire. Don't doubt what you're able to achieve and what you're able to attract. Like you'll be just fine. I know it's hard because baby, when I tell you like it's, it's tough having a newborn and going through life and trying to navigate things and moving away from certain people and doing things, it can be so tough. Like you, you really just look at it like, how am I going to make it through? But then you do. And I believe in you. I know that you will. Uh, The card that you got from the wisdom of the Oracle deck is number 43, uh, deep knowing four plus three, seven brings us back to the seven of swords. So it's like, you know, what you need to know about your boo. It says here, Oracle's message, intuition is the faculty that allows you to enter into a dialogue with source and the consciousness that you are, um, the consciousness that you are a part of, but cannot see with the naked eye. It's perplexing that people are taught to ignore this natural capacity to navigate their journeys, to access their inner guidance. Know that you have an ability to read between the lines and find all Uh, the truth that was missing when the story was told. This deep knowing allows you to open the door to wisdom far greater than what is available in the limitations of human experience. You're given information that may make no sense whatsoever to the logical mind or five senses, but which is 100% correct and true. The trick is to listen and then to act accordingly. You're now invited into this sacred dialogue of deep knowing. So tune in and trust your vibes, told you. They will be right. Ask and you will receive answers from unusual sources. And you did ask and I'm the unusual source. Relationship message says here. um, There are occasions when you just know deep in your heart and soul that a person is going to play a meaningful role in your life. Someone crosses your path and suddenly out of the blue, you're connected at a level impossible to describe. That feeling marks a moment in time etched indelibly into your soul. Someone has entered your life who will be instrumental in your journey. So pay attention. Two hearts are calling to each other to begin uh, begin an alchemical uh, process. This is also a sign that your intuition about the person you care about is correct. Rewind selector. This is also a sign that your intuition about the person you care about is correct. Trust your heart to lead you now. Magic is about to happen. And I thought about that when I saw the Knight of Swords as well, that somebody else is coming in when this person goes out and they're going to fill your cup and make you come. But I'm sure you're not thinking about that right now because you're, you know, focused on probably breastfeeding. And if you're doing that and whatever, you're focused on other things. But the reason I, I just see bare man. I just see men. Too many men. Too many, many men. Um, yeah, I just see bare man, basically. So if you were like, oh my God, I've got to stay with him because now I've had a child. <laughs> Free up the pom pom. No, not right now because, oh God, this reading is going awry. No, just take your time. But I feel like that message was necessary for you specifically. You'll probably hear it and laugh because you know that it is what is coming through from spirit. Like, don't worry about, oh, will I be able to be with anybody else? And da, 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 da. Like, fam, you're 27. Like, live your life, you know, raise your child and don't worry about the people that you've had to move away from. 
other people will come in and should those um, relationships need to be reflected upon and repaired at any point, the distance that you're currently having from them will allow for that to be so. So I pray that that message resonates with you. Um, I guess now what am I doing? Tarot's done. If, yeah, sorry. If you want to book a tarot reading, you, um, sorry, if you want to get a tarot question read, you can send your email to sym at kaleshiokarfor.com or you can um, go on my website, kaleshiokarfor.com and you can go to shop and you can select to buy um, a one question email reading where I'll email you the answer. You lot have been buying that. So after I finish this recording, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get back to emailing you all um, your readings as they're coming through. And then I'll push on to sending out the month ahead tarot readings for those who are on the Straw Society tier on Patreon. So that's patreon.com forward slash Kalechi Okafor. So lots of tarot going on, but I personally, I'm fucking loving it. I see now. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. The rain isn't gone in Britain, though. It isn't. So there's that But I see now where I kind of want to be moving into And just being in my spiritual bag Because I can't keep fighting and shouting every day online Which I wasn't doing anyway But you get what I mean Do you get what I mean Um. So that's that Um. For Share Your Magnificence I think that then I'll talk about the shows that I've seen So I went to see um, Grenfell in the words of survivors, I saw that at, it's an it's a play by Gillian Slovo. Saw it at the National Theatre. It's in the Dorfman Theatre at the National Theatre. It's on until the twenty sixth of August. I need you all to go and see this if you can. I need you all to go and see this play. It is brilliant. It is a brilliant piece of documentary theatre. It is fantastic. Documentary theatre means that they're taking um, from, you know, interviews and documents and um, archived um, material and um, presenting it uh, verbatim, adding some extra bits, but creatively presenting the thing verbatim. And I think it's so important when it's an event like, you know, a tragedy that happened like Grenfell Fire, that things are presented to us verbatim. I sobbed it was I was angry Pearl Mackie big up yourself baby girl you were wonderful in the show as well and as were the ensemble or the other actors were brilliant but obviously recognize you recognize you um it was it was harrowing when you're hearing the story enacted or the you know the incident the tragedy enacted by um through the the actual words of those who survived fam some of them were on the 20th floor of that building miraculously they made it out people above the 21st some of them did like didn't and i still maintain that it wasn't 72 people that died it was way more a building of that size anyway when you see the ways in which the 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 institutions, because of inst- um, systemic and institutional biases, how these people were failed, how the Grenfell community have been saying for years that something is going to happen with this building. We've been telling you, telling you, telling you. And I want to talk about the disdain, the contempt that councils feel for their constituents. Like, it's actually mad. Suffolk Council, they're included in that. 
People become the heads of these councils And then you'll write to them And they'll be talking to you like Well you should be fucking grateful You've got a place in the first place Why should we come and sort out Whatever you've got going on Like the people of Grenfell had, And Royal Borough of Kensington And Chelsea Council It will never ever 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 be well with you You fucking bastards It will never be well with you Ever It was Oh my god it was terrible Hearing like Hearing their first person accounts Enacted in that way Ha Ha Hearing from um, Arconic um, Or hearing the From the inquiry Hearing the statements from Arconic And all of the people that were involved In that shit cladding system And the fact that they purposefully sold it To the UK Because they knew that the UK had such lax Legislations and regulations For building Can you see Can you see how you're not even respected You stupid bitch of a country that people can come here You fucking idiotic lawmakers That these companies Can come and sell shit That they know Is highly highly flammable They can come and sell it to you lot Because they know that You don't give a damn About the people that live in your country They know that you don't give a fuck That you don't give a eck And then they sold it to you And you too Genge You went to go and put it on On, on, on the front of these towers And then lo and behold What happened? Even the fire service And, and the control centres The racism there well, I remember one of the accounts um, that was being um, acted out where um, it was a Muslim woman and she was saying that her brother was um, in the floor, I believe, above. Um, and he had called to find out what's going on, like what's going on um, and how do we escape? How do we get out? He called the fire service. And the same controller was so dismissive of him, so dismissive, but they spoke to a white, uh, well, not necessarily white um, People with an Eng- uh, British accent Or whatever English accent Next door And they told them Okay Head out this way But because he had an accent They told him to stay put Because oh, I can't understand What you're saying Just stay with Just wait there Just wait there They'll be there to get you Who? Who? And also I want to take this point To say that The fire brigade That actually did make it in there That did what they needed to do And Big up yourselves man Because that sounds like A horror scene Wow I'm so thankful for all the lives that were able to have been saved and managed to escape that day. But it really, and this is also partly why I feel like I've been unable to sleep as well. On this spiritual journey, on this kind of path of figuring out what what life is, I was really stuck in this place of like, if you're telling me that we choose our destinies and rare, rare, rare and rare, tear, tear, you're telling me that a soul chose to burn or to to die in a fucking tower block You know like when Ah I just I was really sitting with it And I was just like nah I need more I need more answers I need to I need to sit down with this And really be still with this Because that kind of suffering That kind of pain Does not make sense to me Like it doesn't and it's not one of them things of like if there's a God, no, nah, that's what I'm not what I'm saying. I'm talking about souls right now. I'm talking about the 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 rhetoric that we use when we are talking about souls. So one place that my mind went was like, well, in our human bodies we don't remember, but what if these souls knew that from what would happen, like they um would kind of 
it would have this ripple effect of changing the way that the world was going. But that didn't satisfy me because I'm not going to spiritually bypass a fucking tragedy. I'm not talking about souls right now. I can't bring myself to do that. I'm not one of them people that everything can be explained with, oh, God knows best and spiritual this and spiritual love. Fuck that. Like people died. A lot of people died. Even if it was one person, people died. And, and, they, and they died in the most horrendous fashion. Like that is, that will never, ever, ever be okay. And it, why it's not okay is because people that were involved in, make, in, in that being the case due to their negligence, due to their greed, they're still out on road. They're still out on road. So for me, as long as you're saying that there's going to be a prison system, then motherfuckers need to be in the prisons too. So I'm just showing you my working out in real time where I'm, I don't have all the answers. Like I'm a, I, I, I'm grateful that I'm a great enough vessel for bringing messages through in terms of tarot and that. And the, all the things that I'm learning about astrology as well as Yoruba spirituality and all the things that I've gathered throughout the years with Christianity. I, I can't, even with all of those things, I, I still cannot fathom the suffering. I can't. I can't. And, and, I, and, and I just don't feel like these institutions should be allowed to just continue as they are. Like, heads really should have rolled you know, from RBKC, the, the council, heads really should have rolled. And governmentally as well, everywhere, everywhere. I started having mad conspiracy theories that I can't even share on here, but I just feel like, I, I, I wonder what build, what's going to go in, that, in the space of Grenfell Tower, what's going to be there now. Is it going to be something that looks like all the other rich, expensive houses in the area? And who does that benefit? I, I hate, I hate all of that shit. I hate it so much. So, but these are all of the feelings. That's why I'm saying that it's good to go and watch the show. Cause these are all of the feelings that came to the fore for me, because I think prior to that, again, you know what I was saying to you about intellectually knowing something. I intellectually knew the tragedy, the tragedy. I was intellectually sad about it. But my heart broke. I fucking sobbed in that theater. There's something that they do when you're coming to the end of the show that just visually being able to understand with it, and and I appreciate and I love that they didn't show any um, images of any burning buildings or anything like that because good because we don't need it. We don't need to see that to understand the tragedy. And this is what I'm saying. They did something so simple near the end of the show that I lost it. I fucking lost it. Like I was gasping for air. I was gulping for air. I was crying. Not in a distracting way like, (laughs) but you know, I was, I was just, and I went with my best mate, Lammy. And it was such a beautiful moment because they rested their head on my shoulder and we were just holding each other crying because wow, everybody needs to see that show. Everybody needs to, if they can afford it, if they, if they can afford it and if they can go, go to see Grenfell in the words of survivors at the Dorfman Theatre, at the National Theatre. Like, go and see it while it's on because two slaps on you lot's chest. Uh, big up Grenfell United. Big up the Grenfell community who have um, been relentless in their search and their fight for justice, like in solidarity with all of you always. 
Um, so yeah, I saw that show. And like I said, it's on until the 26th of August. And then I also went to see Sundown Kiki Reloaded, which is at the Young Vic Theatre. Um, it's a Taking Part production. So there's Beneath This Place that, you know, with Shirelsky and Zachary Momo. That's happening in the um, um, main theatre. And then we've got this um, production happening in the Maria um, at the Young Vic. And it was so wonderful. So that is on until... When is that on until? It's on until the 11th of August, Sundown Kiki Reloaded. So it's set in a kind of ballroom environment, um, really celebrating um, queerness and and being marginalised and ballroom culture. And it's been so expertly done. I'll read you what, it's it's long. Be prepared. It's long, but it's fun. It's so much fun, but it's long, right? So if you're going to go to eat, eat before you go to see the play. All right. It says here, When we walk, we have the ability to make the world tremble with every step. The rival houses are back in the explosive Sundown Kiki Reloaded following the sellout run of Sundown Kiki in 2021. Watch the worlds of theatre and ballroom come together as the two families go head to head in an evening of pumping music, dance and partying that celebrates a a queerer London in all its glory. Brought to you by the UK father of House of Revlon and pioneer of the London ballroom scene, JJ Revlon and award-winning director Tristan Finn, um, I don't know um, who that's the person that did um, for black boys who have considered suicide when the hue gets too heavy um, created with and performed by queer black and brown artists, including house ballroom youth and Kiki scene youth from Hetrick Martin Institute. Uh, the acclaimed show returns to the young Vic and we are ready for the drama. It was so good. And I love, you know me, I love a bit of audience participation, love a bit of audience participation. It was Nah, the 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 cast, the company as a whole, you lot ate. You ate that. That was brilliant. So I literally saw that last night and it really brought up my mood. And I love to see young performers. I love to see their energy, their passion, their craft. Um really expertly done. Expertly done. I really enjoyed it. And big up yourself, um, Shireen who is the director of Taking Part. You've been phenomenal in the work that you've been doing so far and I've absolutely loved working with you. So keep up the great work. So two slaps on your chest for to all of you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work. So I guess now, what time is it? Okay, I guess now I'll include the um, interview that I did or the chat that I had with um, Wada, Wada Farah that I mentioned about the, I guess the, um, very colonial, very white supremacist nature of what we deem to be speech and language therapy. I think that this will be a fantastic conversation for people who are parents, for people who aren't, for people who are navigating um, how they feel about the way that they speak and how they pronounce things. So anyway, I hope that you enjoy it and um, I'll catch you in a bit. Thank you so <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back. Um, like I said, I told the listeners that we had some issues technical. I had some technical difficulties on this end and now it's all cute. But I'm actually so glad. It's serendipitous. It happened to two of my um interviews, one with you and um one with um Sherelle Skeet and Zachary Momo. Wild. But I'm so glad it happened because in the space of time since we spoke last, so when we're speaking now. I've had experiences that I'm like, I want us to talk about this. Like, we need to talk about this. So, Wada, also Wada, 
I remembered. <laughs> but for, for this, for our anglicized version of our conversation, <laughs> Wardafara, thank you so much for um joining me. Um yeah, I'm I'm grateful that we can have this conversation because I think that even in the last conversation, it got spicy near the end because we were then actually looking at the white supremacist um kind of uh, factors that yeah. that that are very prevalent within um you know when we're talking about speech therapy and things like that. So could you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, so speech and language therapy, I think the last stat that I looked at was 94% white, predominantly middle-class women. Uh, the rest of the 6% is like, I think like 2%, don't quote me, but there's only a handful of black speech language therapists. I mean, to the point that we could all probably know each other. So wow. that's limited in scope, black speech and language therapists. Are. So I'm not talking about Asian or anything else, talking about black speech and language therapists. Um, and in America, the stat is it's the fourth whitest profession after do- doctor, dentist, farmer, speech pathologist. Wow. So, you know, people talk about different fields being, oh, yeah, you know, my field is exactly the same. When we talk about speech and language therapy, we're, we're really talking about low numbers of wow. black speech and language therapists. And obviously what that does is it creates a system in which white whiteness is is not only pervasive but a lot of white women who have been in the profession since its inception or have come later in have just kind of gone in with the same system so they've never critically questioned oh, yes. how we do things so they, they they have a tendency to believe that it's a apolitical field oh. so, because because it they're all the same aren't they mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such a group so you start to believe that actually this is a benevolent profession um that there's this way to do it and you never ever think about the context of uh your black clients your asian clients your marginalized clients because that's there, there is no conversation of that i mean in ter- even in terms of um university presence i probably know two um I, and i wouldn't say they're professors I'd say lecturers that yeah. are black in speech and language therapy in the whole of the UK. Now, if, if I'm wrong, someone come out and let me know. But what I'm saying to you is representation is not only at all time low, it's pretty non-existent. Wow. That's, to me, it's just wild because, um, but it's not wild because exactly as you said, it's so easy to, to say that something, oh, it's not political here. Oh, why are you bringing politics into it? Because you've never had to deal with difference. So even if you are getting, you know, cl- uh, you know, clients through or you're um, helping um, people of different ethnicities and nationalities or whatever um, and races, you still believe that like you say, it's benevolent. This is altruistic. Like we're helping you to um, assimilate, to civilize you, right? Yeah. Because nobody's ever said, but who gave you the the kind of, um, you know, go ahead on civilization? Yeah. And, and, and like the craziest thing is to me in, I think it's in 2021. So we have the, a range of standardized assessments that we use, whether we use them for, for children or like, say, for example, adults with stroke or brain injury. 
And in 2021, I I have a a colleague of mine in America who's a friend, and she wrote, you know, her and a few others wrote a paper because in one of these tests, they ask you to look at some pictures. This is in America, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very popular test that's used across the world. There's a picture of a noose. Yeah, and it's only in 2021 where it was like, oh, what's this? Why is that there? It's only when black people felt comfortable to say you're assessing me on this and there's a there's a reason why I'm uncomfortable with identifying yes it's not because I've had a a stroke and I don't know what it is it's you you've got noose yes it's like why the hell like what so this is what's in these standardized tests and if you've never critically analyzed it or looked at it and you've just assumed that everything's fine well what else is in these tests that we're using on our, our, our children so it's, and, it's, it's a deep thing yeah and then by then you I, I guess I know that it's not like necessarily a passing or failing per se but then you pathologize their re- resistance to whatever it is like in the case of the noose that you're showing them because it's just like well this is wild I don't want to engage with it oh well they're not engaging and then da, 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 and, da, da, and then you've made it out like I'm the problem when the system is the problem I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the thing is, a lot of these tests, as we know, are tests of culture. Mm. So that they're tests of things that you've been exposed to. So, for example, you might have a, a test, uh, you know, a children's uh, test that has a picture of a um, a yacht, mm. right? Now, tell me what five-year-old, six-year-old child from where I'm from in South London right. knows what is. What did I know at what was that? Yeah, what did I know at five when when in Peckham or six in Peckham? What did I know? So, so, so that doesn't mean I lack language ability. That doesn't mean my vocabulary is low. It's the things that we are exposed to that are around us. But that child might know what a um, plantain is. Oh, look at that! See how we both went for food. Look at our lives. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we know we. Yes. So not to homogenize and say everyone's experience is the same, but it's like who the thing about these tests is it always says whose knowledge is valued. Yes. And so if you don't have white knowledge, then your language is disordered. Mm. Your language is low. Um, your language is lacking grammar and syntax. Um, and, and, and these tests are perpetuated. And if people in the profession from the top to the bottom don't critically analyze continue to use these tools and think that they're doing benevolent work and say that this field is separate from politics. Can you imagine the harm that's yeah. really done to a whole generation of children? And it and it goes back to um, Bernard Coward in the 1970s, the, um, I forget how to say, um, something about the Afro-Caribbean child, the, the sub, subnormalness or whatever wow. And talks about how, you know, children were tested in the 70s and were sent to special needs school. Afro-Caribbean children were sent to special needs schools based off this kind of psychological and language testing. There was nothing ever wrong with their cognition Mm. or their language. It was these tests that were being used to label them and put them into special schools. So these tests are harmful tools that the state uses to penalise black and marginalized people and so if speech language therapists continue that tradition without ever questioning it it's the harm that we're talking about and this is why we're so you know the reason why my work is so specifically against anti-blackness is 
a, the root of a lot of these things are anti-blackness mm. other groups experience it by proxy mm. but it's black child's language it's the black child's thinking and it's the black child culture that is devalued and demeaned yeah. so that's why there is such a thing that we keep you know we want to talk about black joy and we want to talk about black excellence mm. because we can see the constant attack and and a lot of the times the attack is, is so gentle so insidious it's so insidious like it just creeps up on you and we were talking about it in the episode that never made it that um (laughs) about the um the co-opting of language so as to kind of change and and confuse uh, what we understand that language to be or to um make that whatever we say that's just casual throwaway to make it pejorative so like you say the black child's language they might say this a particular way to their friends and it's remember was it david starkey or whatever his name is that, right. that little complex that he came forward that like, he enrages me because i remember watching him on news programs and literally oh they're speaking like what to say they're speaking like blacks these days and i thought what but this is, but this is, but this is how um, not only resistant to change because do you know what? Everybody in London is speaking black. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. It's it's our terminologies and our linguistic systems and our identities and cultures that we've intermixed. Yes. Um, that are once again have no value in school, yeah. but hold a lot of value in society. Yeah. And so yeah. No, it's so true. And it makes me think about, you know, when we even look at things in terms of etymology. So etymologically, when we are saying about the languages that or the ways that in which we speak um, in quote unquote urban areas. Right. Um, thinking about how the basis of a lot of it is um, from the Caribbean and then thinking about the Maroons and their resistance, you know, um, when you, in terms of um, the slave trade and how, you know, the Caribbean as lands of in their own right, countries in their own right were colonized and then the Maroons amongst many others fighting back. Um, for another example, the Haitians fighting back. The people who fight back very, very, you know, rigorously and robustly, anything that is to come from them becomes so villainized, it's actually laughable to to witness. So when we're talking in this way, it's funny how they're like, oh, it's aggression, it's this, it's that, because you've got that layer and then we've all come and added bits and added our own flavors and, and it shifts. And, and so I can see why... Do you feel like there's an element of like a fear of erasure there for whiteness and it's and how it considers itself superior? That if we're talking in this way, it's spreading across England that we're speaking in this fashion, that what they hold, how they hold power in terms of language then becomes shaky. Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. But as black people, and I'm not ashamed to say this. We're super creative. Yes. You you give us the leftovers of, of that food and we make a great dinner. You give yeah. us th- this pe- this language and we uplift it. Yes. And so and 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 so it's for us to recognize, mm. even though we are being told otherwise, that the message here is for us to recognize what we have and value it, regardless of who else doesn't value it. And this is why it's really important to instill in the younger generation, because I never had that Same. growing up. You know, my parents are immigrants, so their their th- whole thing was, you know, keep your head down, go to mm. school well. Oh, even if there's racism or this or that, you know, just just get by. Mm. And that's how I was raised. 
but that's not how I would raise my child and and that's not how I choose to live um and so a lot of this is about recognizing and having awareness that these structures do exist so something as obvious as language that we take for granted is a political tool Um, and, and it's a tool that can be used against us to whether it's to gatekeep us by how contracts are worded in a certain way it's called they use language to gatekeep they use language to keep you down um you know when we talk about attainment gaps and they go oh you know these black students they can get into this russell group university but they're not leaving with firsts so how comes they can get in they're intelligent enough to get in but when environment suddenly they're not doing well anymore well what is it about your assessments and the way that you grade you know because what is happening is black language is Mm. graded correctly very much so and i want to take this opportunity to say liverpool hope university you pussy clots you owe me one more point for me to have my first i got a two one you owe me one more point on my dissertation i don't care how far how long ago it was that was a you know like Sometimes things happen in your life And then you look back and you're like If only I had the language then to challenge it Like I knew what you did was wrong But yeah. to understand the process I would go through To be like, how are you, fam, one one mark? So you couldn't, yeah. one mark And even now I think about what I focused on In terms of my um, dissertation Looking at Shakespearean theatre and, mm-hmm. um, and then looking at how language even then was used In order to describe blackness You know, so I was Even mm-hmm. then I was so interested To be like, why why did Shakespeare do this? And why do we just accept that it was okay? You know? And then he took one mark Because maybe I was doing too much apparently Well, well this is Either, sometimes They don't understand how further ahead we are in our thinking So they're not able to recognise that And you can't mark it No, they can't mark it because they, they can't couldn't understand what it is that you you are experiencing your feeling how you think and how you how you put it into words um and and the other thing is like for example it's just it's just a policing your language mm-hmm. if you can police people's language you make them act how you want them to act you know and, and you give them a, a, a similar sense of identity our language is too much yeah. to be evaluated or to be assessed yeah. right that we language with each other the way that we use our body the way that we use our eyes the, the whole the whole thing is a, is a real experience like even from my cultures we have a very oral culture where we yes. almost speak in poetry where like the way that we say things the meanings there's there's a lot of things that English cannot convey no. so with the bra- with the kind of like let's just call it black British English multicultural London whatever you want to call it there's a lot of things we've had to make up yes because it wasn't there to, to, and we've even had, so we've had to feed in our, like our indigenous languages or feeding uh, like our mother tongue, as it were. Um, even if you're like, oh, well, I was born here, whatever. When you look in your lineage, you're feeding in things for all the gaps. And there are so many gaps that one then needs to fill with this language. Um, so yeah, I hear, wow. Yeah. An example actually the other day I'm not going to say what university it is but um some you know a, a colleague a colleague of mine told me about a student who was marked down she's 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 a Caribbean student mm-hmm. um, and grew up in the in the Caribbean and was mm-hmm. studied in America and now over here and I think in one of her assessment reports she wrote something like so and so is an only child and they were like no that's that's incorrect it's has no other siblings and so, you know, you, you, you look at... I say that all the time. I'm an only child. Like, well, me too. 
but what I'm saying is these are the ways that they catch you. So then you lose that one. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that's not correct grammar. And you think, well, when I talk to everybody, that's how I talk. Because what they're doing is how we talk, we mm. can't write like that formally for their tests oh, yes. and their, their assessments. Yes. But there's nothing wrong with how we talk and how we write like that as well. But can you imagine every time you have to self-edit, we we can't write how we think. We have no. to we have to uh, change it up for them to accept. Yeah. For them to accept it and accept it as good. And this is why I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation and have it again. Because in my process of writing, you're speaking so deeply to me. Because in my process of writing my short story collection, I had to self-edit. Like there were points where I'm just like, this is how I want to say this thing. Or even after, I felt like I've self-edited, right? In terms of to convey it so it can go out and universalize it. So it can go out to a larger audience that they can understand it. An editor will still read it. Or, you know, a white editor would still read it and be like, so what's this like what what what's this what are you trying to say here and to be fair the white woman that was editing my short story collection she was actually sick in a lot of regards like she caught things in the best way that helped me to shape what I was writing but there were certain things where I thought oh this already makes sense but it didn't because I it it was unique to us but other people you could read the story and you'd be like haha this is funny I get it yeah I get it but yeah it wasn't carrying over and that's the thing because they don't get it they say it's wrong Mm-mm-mm. and yeah. it's like no you don't get it because you you don't get it and um, you're not and they're not allowed to not belong you know because yeah. when you go you get, yeah they're not allowed to not belong so the moment you, you're like well you just don't get it what do you mean i'm not part of the in crowd i'm not because the joke's always apparently in their eyes the joke's always been on us trying to play catch up trying to understand mm-hmm. and making all the mistakes so when suddenly we're like oh we've got this cool thing that we've done with your language it's so funny it's great it's amazing over here it's like how can you leave me out of the thing but you gave us a very very thin very very um very very see-through very somehow rickety language and we made it something mm-hmm. for you and we added flavor to it like you're welcome not rickety <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just somehow but um on a closing note um I said I tweeted the other day and I said what are the words that you've pronounced differently throughout your life mainly because you've read it right because I did a lot of reading there was no one really for me to you know I, I so I learned a lot of words through reading um, and I said, yeah, what are the words that you've, you pronounce differently or you realize that you pronounce differently um, because you primarily read it or you mainly read it? Mind, I think I put mine down as prevalent and something else. Uh, um, en- enveloped. I would just say enveloped, like enveloped. But what was funny was that everybody that responded to me did not use the word differently. I used the word specifically differently. They used the word incorrectly. Yeah. Well, because that's well, that's what they've been indoctrinated into. Like, you know, the whole, oh, you said that wrong. Well, that doesn't sound right. But the truth is, there's no right way to say anything. There's no wrong way to say anything. Yeah. It's the context. So yes. I, even if you've said the word incorrectly, yeah. I know what you mean because of the context of how you've put it together in that sentence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we all have that belief because we've been corrected as children. Yeah. Go. Yeah. In about how we speak they've told us that there's something wrong with how we speak and you know um and I but I just think it's all it's always a really good message to just say just don't think speak as how you are speak yeah. as it is only authentic if it's you you don't have to change your accent to to fit in into a workplace you don't need to you know I went to university with a girl who was on the same course as me mm-hmm. and she 
oh, but you sound a bit more, you know, posher than I. And I was just like, hmm, okay, I sound how I sound. That is what it is. But you sound how you sound. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But she to fit in and to be that professional, she had to change how she spoke because her North, her Islington accent, plus being black, Mm. plus Muslim was, you know, too much to too much to bear because, you you know, thing called ratio linguistics is basically about how even before you speak, people have judged you. Yes. And they have an imagination of how you would speak. And so that's why sometimes when you sound different to how they imagine, they go, oh, that's really eloquent. Yeah, okay. I get it. You're so articulate. Yeah. Wow, you're so well-spoken. So what did you expect? When I opened my mouth, it was going to be uga booga. What did you yeah. expect? And even uga booga, that you just don't understand because it's clearly not your dialect. That's all it is. Like, move, you know? Um. So um. Like in closing, what would you advise parents then? Because sometimes you can't just remove your like for instance a teacher says oh I think your child needs to you know speak with a speech and language therapist and da 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 um they can't remove their child from the school or they don't feel like they can so what can they yeah. do in their, those instances where they're like my child is perfectly fine but well, you're you're challenging me here what do I do well I think that's the main thing it's knowing your own child so if you feel like oh you know my child understands me is you know follows these instructions when I communicate with him we you know or her we get each other that's that's something for you to know now when someone points something out it's not necessarily that they're wrong or incorrect but you have to see where they're coming from like Mm -hmm. give me some examples because I think parents are always quick to just go yeah yeah sure and I say to that teacher could you give me some examples of exactly what you're talking about let me look at them Mm -hmm. um because you know I'm 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 a proponent of don't let your children be assessed. Yes, yes. You know what's going on. Yes. Don't put children through that, especially firsthand. As I know that, you know these assessments are biased and racist. Um, yeah. I have a journal article um, in ASHRA, so it's the American Association, whatever, whatever. And there's a there's an article there that's really about standardized testing. It's links to colonialism. Mm. Um, it, political and it being racist and eugenic so be careful about the things that you subject your child to without knowing about it now I know that there are a lot of parents who feel like their child needs support or help Um, and and those are the those are kind of like those unique things that you need to think every case is really different but when it comes to in terms of communication if you feel like your child understands you follows instructions at home and everything is fine at home but there's a problem at school then you need to start looking at that school environment as opposed to your child. That's sick. That's a sick ending. You're such a G. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming back. So um, I hope that, yeah, the listeners can really take something from this because you've you've helped me, you know, actually in confidence with saying things the way that I would say them. And that means a lot because I'm talking a lot, you know, out there, especially yeah, when it's yeah. news programs and things. So thank you for the work that you do. And um, obviously I'll add the link so people can, you know, follow and support the work because your voice is necessary. And, you know, we, we need to know that there isn't just one way to do something. So thank you so much. Thank Well, thank you. And I'd also like to say you keep speaking up and keep speaking up as you. And even if you ever feel like, oh, these people don't get it, it's not for them to get you. It's for yeah. us because we're vibing with you. So thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and we're back. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Warda. Um, Warda. 
Um, I hope that you enjoyed that. So I was reading um, before... Before I interviewed her, I was reading about her and um, I found this to be interesting. So that she was asked, can you tell us a bit about your how your business started and what inspired you? And she said, I won a Lord Mayor scholarship and studied speech and language therapy at City University. It was during this time that I noticed the lack of diversity in the profession. 95% of speech and language therapists are from white middle class backgrounds, which raises the issue of therapy not being tailored to take culture and background into account. This is a profession that has to represent the diverse population it serves in order to be effective. And from what I could see, this wasn't happening. I was extremely surprised that uh, that there was no discussion of how to make speech and language therapy services accessible and culturally diverse. So I began my research. It is clear and evident that there is a cultural mismatch between therapists and BAME clients. And instead of labeling parents and children as hard to engage, we should be reaching out to them and being innovative with how we deliver our interventions. And we have three key aims that we are working towards. One, a world where a child's ethnicity, socioeconomic status and parental background is not a barrier to receiving quality speech and language therapy assessment and intervention. Two, we want the wider public to have a better understanding Understanding of what a communication difficulty is and the long-term consequences this can have on a child, family and their community. Three, we would like the speech and language therapy workforce to represent the diverse population it serves. And I love that because when she speaks about speech and language therapy and this intervention, what she's really saying is that I'm intervening to say you're great as you are. There's nothing wrong with you. Like you are great as you are, as you would have heard in the interview anyway. And it's so important to be reminded that there is nothing wrong with you. You are operating as you are, right? And rather than trying to um, be contorted into uh, this sort of weirdly homogenous society where we're all meant to speak and act the same, not because it's of any benefit to us personally, but it's of benefit to um, whether it's um, a a collective identity, a nationalism, or in some cases, white supremacist um, heteropatriarchy. That is why we're being asked to leave who we are and and to um, perform being something else. So two slaps on your chest. Thank you, Wada, for joining me. You are brilliant. Thank you so much for the work that you do. So I feel like that's that for Show Your Magnificence. That was long. Okay, um, let's cut to um, bigging up this week's show sponsors who are ExpressVPN. Nobody has to know, say me and you are fucked. Nobody has to know, say you are give it up. Hey, nobody have to know you come over my yard. Baby, take off your drawers. Imagine if you didn't have ExpressVPN. That's what that song is about. No, that's not really what it's about, but that's what I'm saying. Nobody has to know what you're doing. Please, like I said, stop. Don't do weird shit with this. Don't do weird shit. Don't do weird shit. But at the same time, you are entitled to your privacy. You are entitled to your data not being sold to companies by your internet service providers selling your de- details. And you're like, whoa, wow, wow. How did the internet just magically, miraculously know what I needed right now? Because you're being tracked, baby. You're being tracked. So... Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like passing a note in class and having the teacher read it out loud to everybody and then even sell what you've written. Sell it. Sell it for lots of money. So you don't want that because nobody needs to know how you go on. Why does everybody need a VPN? Well, internet service providers, like I said, know every single website you visit. Sometimes even when you're incognito or incognito. Um, 
ISPs, internet service providers, will consult the information to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. So ExpressVPN is useful because it reroutes your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet service provider can't see or sell your online activities. So make them broke. <laughs> Um, so simple to use, um, very, very simple to use. Fire up the app and click one button. It's been rated number one by CNET and TechRadar, and it works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I need to make sure that I've set this up properly because the router that I have, it likes to move very higgy and very haggard. So to protect your online privacy by um visiting ExpressVPN, you just need to go to expressvpn.com slash straws today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash straws And you can get an extra three months free That's expressvpn.com slash straws So go protect yourself Don't wreck yourself Anyway, let's get to So You Mad So this week on So You Mad, what do I have to say? I heard that Cardi asked the audience initially to dash her with water so I need to know why it was okay for somebody else For some other people to dash water at her But then she dashed the microphone at the head of the person That threw, was that a drink? Was it? Was the difference that one was water and one was drink? I don't know, I actually don't know So after I was backing it, backing it I was like, see this is what I mean about us Aries Risings You see what you did there? You really jumped ahead You really went vroom, vroom, vroom Va, va, boom So I don't know about what's happening there But I have heard that because that microphone, and I remember seeing it in a video clip, the microphone sort of ricocheted off the person she wanted to hit and hit somebody else. And that person now wants to sue her as well. Because, you know, America's very litigious. But even if it wasn't litigious, fam, you were aiming for them. How did I get licked in my head? Now, now why am I in it? Why am I in it? Is what their head was saying when it had a cocoa. So, um, you know, yeah, they they want to sue. They want to sue the, the, the carb. Um, Cardi B. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. Now, this story was rather chilling to me. So it says here, Obama's chef, Tafari Campbell, dies in paddleboarding accident. A personal chef to former US President Barack Obama has died during an accident on a paddleboarding trip near the Obama's Massachusetts home. Tafari Campbell, 45, worked in the White House before staying on with the Obama family. It's very much giving house of cards. After Mr. Obama left um, office in 2016. On Sunday, he went missing in the waters of Edgartown Great Pond on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, the Obamas released a statement hailing his talent inside the kitchen and out. Sorry, I shouldn't have added that intonation. R.I.P. Tafari was a beloved part of our family. When we first met him, he was a talented sous chef at the White House, creative and passionate about food and its ability to bring people together. Mr. Obama and former First Lady Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama said on Monday, in the years that followed, we got to know him as a warm, fun, extraordinarily kind person who made all of our lives a little brighter. Mr. Campbell had been visiting the Massachusetts island from his home in Virginia at the time of his death. Police say the Obama family was not home at the time of the accident. The search was launched on Sunday night for a male paddleboarder who had gone into the water, appeared to briefly struggle to stay on the surface and then submerged and did not resurface according to a police report. Another paddleboarder was on the pond with him at the time and observed him go under the water, it added. 
On Monday, his body was found approximately 100 feet, 30 meters from shore at a depth of about eight feet. The Massachusetts State Police Detective Unit is investigating his death, but it is believed to have been an accident. His wife, Sharice Campbell, posted a tribute to her husband on Instagram. My heart is broken, Ms. Campbell said. My life and our family's life is forever changed. Please pray for me and our families as I deal with the loss of my husband. Mr. Campbell had worked in the White House during Mr. Obama's eight years in Washington. During that time, he helped create some of the most famous presidential recipes, included um, a beer brewed from ingredients grown at the White House. When it was time for the first family to depart Washington, they asked Mr. Campbell to join them. I need to stop adding these random intonations. And he generously agreed, the Obama's statement added. He's been a part of our lives ever since and our hearts are broken that he's gone. Today, we join everyone who knew and loved Tafari, especially his wife, Sharice, and their twin boys, Xavier and Savin, in grieving the loss of a truly wonderful man. That's interesting. That's interesting. RIP, rest in peace, Tafari. Because um, he was a strong swimmer. And I know that sometimes you, it doesn't matter whether you're a strong swimmer or not. Like these things can happen. I don't know. Something just doesn't feel right in my waters. Hmm. But rest in peace. Rest in peace. Sorry that happened. Whatever happened. Um. Lizzie, uh, Liz, what's it? Lizzo, Lizzo's going through some things, isn't she? She's going through some things. She's been accused of um, by her uh, former dance um, people who were toured that they danced on her tour. Um, they accused her of like um, sexual harassment um, as well as uh, fat shaming and various things. Um, and, and somebody else accused her as well who wasn't a dancer, but. It's all very sad. It's all very sad because I'm like, Lizzo, girl, like, I hope you didn't. But I mean, it sounds like you did. But I hope you didn't because people are already very mean to you. They will only become meaner if you were, in fact, doing that mean shit. So that's all wild. Her dance captain, who was actually accused of trying to convert people to Christianity and who would say wild things to people, she put out a video as well that basically she's not beating those allegations. Like she seems actually very mean. Those mean ones that go all the time about, go on all the time about, God is so good. God is so good. And then they'll begin to tell you why God is so good, but it's because they were mean to somebody and they're reframing it. So I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. But it's clearly, it's very, very quick. So you mad, isn't it? Because I spent so much time on magnificence and all of these other things. And my mind still ponders about some subjects in So You Mad. Um, so I'll move on to Straw of the Week, aka Suck Your Mum. And that is also very brief. Manchester Police, oh, two weeks in a row. Um, but not for the same thing as last week. Um why is the dust around my face? Manchester Police, uh, Greater Manchester Police will not be sending letters to individuals banning them from attending Manchester's Caribbean Carnival this year after a legal challenge. 
Greater Manchester Police was accused of using deeply racist tactics last year after it issued a number of letters banning dozens of people from a Caribbean carnival event because they had been identified as either a member of a street gang or affiliated to a street gang. So basically the gang matrix or perceived by others to be associated with a street gang. So basically black. Okay. Campaigners said individuals were told uh, were not told which of the criteria was thought to apply to them or on what information it was based and had no way to appeal against the bans. The force is said to have engaged in this practice since 2006. <clears throat> Campaigners claim there were no similar banning policies for other equally large scale events in Manchester, such as the Park Life Music Festival, because why didn't they put out, oh, um, you can't go because you're a drug user or you know a drug user or you're perceived to look like a drug user. Why don't they put that? No. Or you can't go because you don't wash your legs um, or you're, you you hang around with people who don't wash their legs or you're perceived as not washing your legs. No. No. Okay. On May 24th, 2023, the organization Kids Kids of Colour, supported by Liberty, sent a letter to GMP and Manchester City Council raising concerns that the bans were discriminatory. They alleged that a disproportionate number of black people and other people of colour were targeted. On 22nd of June, Kids of Colour and Liberty sent a formal judicial review uh, pre-action protocol letter to GMP and MCC threatening legal action. GMP responded on 14th of July and stated it will not be sending letters banning people from attending the carnival this year. The force did not accept liability in regard to the campaigners' claims of discrimination. When do they ever? When do they? They can't. Let me not even go back to last week. Kids of Colour said it would not challenge these letters um, if there was any evidence to show they kept the carnival safe. For us, these letters are a small part of a much bigger picture, that picture being unjust, racist gangs policing, a practice we know has affected many close to us, such as the Manchester 10 and their loved ones. At the core of our organisation, we share with, um, with our communities a desire for young people to live their lives fully and joyfully with long futures ahead of them. Amen. And that they are excited for. Amen. Free from violence of all kinds. Amen. Louise Whitfield, a lawyer at Liberty, said, we all have the right to celebrate our culture and participate in our local communities. But these carnival banning letters issued by Greater Manchester Police since 2006 prevented people from attending the carnival based on vague and unclear criteria. This practice was clearly race discrimination with people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds more likely to be targeted. The practice was entirely opaque, unfair and therefore unlawful. And there was no legal justification for sending these banning letters. We are pleased that following our our queries on behalf of Kids of Colour, GMP have decided not to issue the letters this year. Um, they must not send them again in future years. Um, Superintendent Arif Nawaz, of course, they brought out the brown person to come and talk, of Greater Manchester Police said, Manchester's Caribbean Carnival is a pivotal event in Greater Manchester that GMP is proud to support. Our priority is to help make sure people can come together to celebrate and enjoy the event safely. So you shouldn't be there then. We recognise concerns raised by kids of colour and want to reassure them and the public that GMP's policing tactics are always focused on keeping people safe and minimising harm except for when the harm is being done to people that probably look like you. Uh, what's your name? Arif. Officers have offered to meet with kids of colour to discuss matters and plans for this year's event. Well, I hope you do. And I hope that you don't practice any more racism or um, sexual assaultismo. That's what we hope for. But you know what? That's this week done. That is this week done. I've given the girlies the things. 
I've given the folks the facts. Oh, not me with alliteration. I've given the folks the facts and I'm going to bounce. All right, I'm out. Um, Thank you so much for listening and for watching. I have been Kaleshi Okafor and this has been SYM. Officially known as Say Your Mind. Unofficially known as What What? That's right. Suck your mum. Not you directly, but you get what I mean. Yes, you can follow me on at Kaleshi Okafor at Say Your Mind Pod. You can send your letters to SYM at Kaleshi You can book your tarot readings on Kaleshi or you can join Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Kaleshi You can buy my book. You can get tickets to various live shows that I'm doing. Everything is available to you on this God's earth. All right? You could do all of the things. But until I jump back on the thing again, I hope that you look after yourself. You keep yourself moisturized and you keep that food just a little bit seasoned. All right. Catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Punani woman is baby boys, baby girls. You need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea. We are go sippy. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Could let you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.